financial literacy, and the human condition. Welcome to Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Welcome to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler, along with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Good morning. Good morning, Jess. How are you? I'm doing great. It's been nice weather, so I'm happy about that. Yeah, the light is starting to feel like spring out there, and yeah. Very nice. For sure. What are we talking about this week? Well, so we have to talk about a scam that's going on uh, because I've had two clients now with this problem. And about a year ago, the FBI put out this this article about it, this warning, Mm -hmm. and still it's going on. And I will tell you right at the beginning, if you think you would know this scam, if it hit you, you won't. So I'm going to tell you how to protect yourself from it as well. But boy, they are getting really, really good at this. The scammers are getting scammier. Uh, They really are, Jess. In fact, if you think about it, you've probably, probably everyone listening to this show at this point, at some point has received a notification that their credit card or bank or payment app has had a a breach Mm -hmm. and now they're going to offer you free identity theft protection, et cetera, right? Yeah. And then you get probably everybody's you get lured in. Yeah. Well the thing is that's legit. They have had a breach. I I remember uh TJ Maxx. I got a a letter from TJ Maxx one day saying our our data has been breached and some information of yours may have been compromised. It's so weird your info was with TJ Maxx at a shopping outlet, Francis. Oh, it could be. It could be <laughs> anywhere because they give you a credit card that has a MasterCard or a Visa logo on it. I'm just, so, I'm teasing you because you were shopping. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> sorry. I missed that one. I shop just like anybody else. I just like a bargain and I try to give things a ride in my cart and do all the things yep. that we talk about. <laughs> uh, but yes, I was shopping at TJ Maxx, I'm sure. And I have one of their cards. And uh, of course, you know, in case anybody's ready to criticize me, I pay it off in full every month, of mm-hmm. course. But it is a convenient thing to have and I get perks for it and, and all of that. So there's a right and a wrong way to do this. But if you've ever received one of those uh, data breach notices, then and these have been going on for about a decade, mm-hmm. then what should go through your mind is not just, oh, great, they gave me identity theft protection for free and I can monitor my credit report now because my data was breached, but the horse has left the stable. What happened to that data? Yes, we can protect your credit through freezes and fraud alerts, right? We can do that, but that means that information is out there. So what's happened is after about a decade of those kinds of breaches is that information is sourceable and the scammers are getting it. So let me give you an example. A client called me, I don't know, a week or so ago, maybe two weeks ago now, panic stricken. Uh, Gee, he was working on his computer. Some pop-ups happened and said, your computer has been, you know, hacked. Uh, you have a, a virus, you must contact us immediately. And said something about they were trying to take money out of his account. I never got the complete story on this. But what I did get was that he went to the bank right away. He shut his computer off. He went to the bank or called the bank and explained what had happened. There was apparently a phone number on the computer that he was supposed to call mm-hmm. from the fraud alert department, which prior to going to his bank locally, he did call. And they knew a lot about him. Mm -hmm. And this has happened twice in the last couple of weeks where clients have called me and said, but I know it was my bank because they knew the last four digits of my account number. They knew my previous addresses. Mm -hmm. They knew my social security number. And so when you get one of those calls in or you get a fraud alert that panics you, in this case, this guy was told they were trying to So I guess what happened is he got a pop-up on his computer and it said, this is a fraud alert. Your computer has been hacked. We're your bank. And they knew the financial institution that he Mm -hmm. banked at. Yeah. 
and someone is trying to take $22,000 withdrawal from your account. Oh. Is this you? Yeah. And so he, of course, immediately thought, oh, my gosh, my bank is trying to protect me. It's my bank. They know me. They're in my computer, right? Online banking and all. And so he immediately called his bank and said, no, it's not me. Now, the best thing he did is he called his bank and said, no, it's not me. And turned the computer off. Like we do training on this all the time. And yeah, they're like, get out. Like, don't connect through your computer because you're even making it worse. That's exactly right. However, the second person didn't do it that way. The second person did call the phone number that was on the computer. Mm -hmm. They did give up a lot of information. And they did believe that the people on the other end were their bank. All the stuff that they got looked correct. You know, everything was masked properly, but they never called their bank directly. And so what happened is uh, the person, the scammer, had enough information about them. For instance, their social security number, their account, all of that. And then they had them start to do what the FBI has has uh, written this article about. So when... You know, I often come online and talk about or on the air and talk about things that were put out by the Federal Trade Commission or consumer reports. I mean, Consumer Protection Agency, something like that, where we know, okay, this is a scam and they're putting this out. But when you start to hear from the FBI on it, then, you know, it's getting complicated. Mm. So this gets really tricky because there's like a four step process to the scam. Did this, um, real quick, did the second person that you were talking about, did he end up losing money? Are you going to tell us what happened to him? Uh, No, I'll tell you what happened, but they did not lose money to date that we know of. Mm -hmm. But uh, when they called their local bank finally and said, you know, I think you should be aware that I, I just fixed this problem. I got your notice and I was going to get scammed, but I did it okay, right? I did everything. And the bank said, wow, really? Because... We don't have anything like that on record. So when he called his bank and said, what do I do now that he realized he had been scammed and the people had got e- gotten even more information from him, such as his email address that was on his uh, bank account, right? When he went to the bank, the bank didn't tell him, put a freeze on your credit report, notify the police. Instead, they said, you need to have your computer cleaned. That was some sort of virus on your computer because nobody ever talked to our bank. It wasn't here on our end. Yeah, but unfortunately, he'd already given information over the phone. So even though you have the computer, you know, it's already out there. That's right. And what you don't know is, yeah, it didn't have anything to do with the bank yet or now. And maybe the bank would have caught it. But what if that person was doing uh, something to prepare for a future scam? So now they actually have this person's information, including the email on the account and all of that. person called me and I said, look, we have to do other things. You need to put a freeze on your credit reports immediately. You need to notify the police. You need to change your account numbers. You need to get new credit cards, new checks, all of that. And we involved the bank and the bank, in fact, did help us to get all of that done. So the person is, we hope, relatively well protected. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that they won't get something else somewhere, some other piece of information and they can use it in some other way. So I would like to talk about the FBI and this particular scam. Um, but first, I, I just want to ask you, do you have any questions, Jess, or have you known anybody that something like this has happened to recently? Well, I know myself personally, um, it's not similar with the virus and the computer, but I've been getting a bunch of text messages that my UPS package has been delivered and I don't have anything uh-huh. on order. You know what I mean? So I just delete them automatically. But I feel like if you followed up on it, there's some kind of scam there. Yeah, I don't get them that say my package has been delivered. Instead, I get a package that says your UPS package is is at our 
uh, sorting location and we can't deliver it because we don't have your information. Can mm -hmm. you contact us? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I would just delete, delete, delete. But the thing is, you know, some of us are very um, tech savvy. We get text messages all the time. You get good at understanding what, what is a scam and what is not. But just yesterday, I had something pop up on my phone immediately and it said Google at the top. Wasn't from Google, obviously, but it had the Google logo, you know. And it said, your iPhone, which of course I have, but also, you know, doesn't, don't millions and millions of people have iPhones. There's a pretty good chance that you might have an iPhone if the right. scammer's doing this, right? Your iPhone, or they might have said your Samsung, but they just take a shot in the dark and they get enough, you know, yeah. they catch enough flies with their honey. So your iPhone has been compromised and 28%, your virus has attacked 28% of your memory. And if you don't do something about it immediately, your iPhone will crash. Mm. And you were supposed to click the link to go and find out what to do about it. Now, even the best of us on the busiest day, when you get something like that, and maybe you've had some emotional upheaval in your life or you've had something, you know, it's possible that, that people who are even tech savvy might click on it. And then where are you? I can't tell you where you are because I didn't click on it. So right, yeah. I don't know what would have happened if I had clicked on it. But those are the kinds of things you really, really, really want to be careful of. So just in case you don't make it to, through the second part of our show, I just want people to know one thing that I will tell you at the end as well, which is no matter what is happening that is causing you to have fear and panic and feel like you need to make an, an, an emergent decision, then you need to back up and be proactive rather than reactive. Mm -hmm. And so if it looks like your bank is calling you, if it looks like your bank is texting you, if it looks like you have a problem with your computer and you're supposed to call a number or click a link. Don't do it. Stop and say, if this, you can even tell the person on the phone if you're talking to them, look, if this is legit, I'll call you back at my bank. But do not call the phone number they give you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they'll say, sure, that's fine. Let me give you that. Do you have the number? Let me give you that number to call. And one of the biggest and tricks that scammers use is, do, you know, saying something that's a sense of emergency. So you kind of forget those steps. Like, you know, a big thing is nope. going to happen right away if you don't do this. Yeah. I mean, yesterday, Xfinity was doing work on the lines in my area. So I had a kind of a crazy day where I knew my internet service was going to come and go and there could be holes, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Issues in the middle of the day. And that's the day that I got that message that said, oh, your iPhone has been hacked. You know, now if I didn't have this rule in place where I'm just not clicking, mm -hmm. don't click the link. You don't know who it came from. Right. I mean, admittedly, we send links to clients that are, you know, that are um, approving that we send them a link, but it's obvious where it came from. They can click it or you can copy it and paste it in a browser. But I'm going to say with the sophistication that the scammers have gotten these days, I, I really want you to be extra careful. You know, I don't care if you get a link from Hug Your Money. I don't care if you call us and say, is this really you? Great. <laughs> yes, we'll tell you it's really us. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Uh, a few months back, we had somebody claiming to be in Boston, Mass, in one of our locations, I right? A satellite story. office. Yeah. Yeah, using my name personally and calling people that, that they may be found as a friend on my Facebook page or something and telling them that I said to call and that it was a great investment opportunity and I wanted them to buy in. And I promise you, all that person had to do was call us and say, is this really you? And they would have learned. No. No, it wasn't us. But like and you said, he lost about $50. yeah. And like you said, most people are distracted. Everyone's living life. So they count on that. 
no doubt, no doubt. So I will tell you exactly the four steps uh, that the FBI has warned about so that you can understand why even the most sophisticated people might fall prey to this. It isn't that somebody, you know, isn't tech savvy or got fooled easily. I mean, this is sophisticated stuff they're doing. And so I really want people to be aware of it and aware of what to do to avoid it. Okay, we'll talk about all of that in the second half. First, let's get your phone number. Absolutely, Jess. It's 413-773-3333. And you can go to HugYourMoney.com. We'll be back with part two of Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Ram. That's coming up next on WHMP. When it comes to investing, we're taught the higher the risk, the better the reward. Francis Ram, the Money Doctor, says it isn't necessarily true. We need to remember that with risk comes the potential for losses, and making up losses can set us back or worse, delay our retirement. You've heard the testimonials for years about how her patented program helps people become 100% debt-free far ahead of schedule. But did you know that for more than 35 years, Dr. Ram has been helping people retire well without unnecessary risk? Dr. Ram says most people mistakenly accept that in order to earn attractive interest rates, they must tolerate risk and that choosing safety means settling for lackluster returns. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can earn competitive rates and minimize taxes without risking a single dollar of your hard-earned savings. Contact the money doctor at Hug Your Money for a free consultation. Call 413-773-3333 or visit HugYourMoney.com. Welcome back to part two of Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler along with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Ram. Hi. Hey, Jess. We're talking scammers and it's, it's depressing how good they are. You know, if they weren't good, they wouldn't make money and they would all go away. Mm-hmm. That has not happened. And the more breaches we have of our personal information, the more likely it is that you might become a victim or at least a target of these things. Particularly if, if you have great credit and, and that has been out there somewhere and somebody sees, oh, look, here's a person with an 830 credit score. <laughs> you know, let's let's tag, target them. So I'm glad you brought that so, up. Let me just ask you a quick question here because sure. I've, I've heard this before, which this will make you cringe, but I've heard it before from people like, I don't have good credit anyway. They pick the wrong person, like where they just don't worry about it because they're like, oh, good luck to them. They pick the wrong person. But there are still things that could happen even if your credit is not great, correct? Yeah, forget the credit. What about a passport that says they're you? Mm, yeah. What about a driver's license that says they're you? And then they get into an accident, total a car and, you know, it have registered it in your name. I mean, if they can steal your identity, there's a lot of awful things they can do to you besides your credit. Mm-hmm. I do recommend a freeze on your credit report, whether you expect fraud or not. I, I wouldn't live a day without a freeze on my credit report because I can lift it when I want to. If I want it alone, I could lift it. But basically, nobody needs to get to my credit report without my permission. Right. So a freeze on my credit report, it's free to do. You can do it through Experian, Equifax, or TransUnion. And I think that's really an important thing because, yes, they could still try to steal your identity, but they can't spend you into the poorhouse if they can't get your credit. Mm Mm-hmm. So you'd have a problem on your hands if they steal your identity for sure, but you haven't got mortgages and car loans and all kinds of debt out there with your name on it that you didn't take out and is now being defaulted on and they and you can't prove that it wasn't you that took it out. Right. So that's a, that's a real problem. So I promised to tell you the four steps that the FBI is, is putting out there. And first, they call them acts, Act 1, Act 2, Act 3, and Act 4, like it was a play. And this is the Internet Crime and Complaint center, which we call IC3 at the FBI. So act one happens when you get an automated text and it will say something 
like. This is a free message from your fill in your bank name because they know who your bank is. Mm -hmm. in, the, in the first case, say it was a, a local bank. So this is a free message from the bank you're banking at, uh, from their bank fraud alert department. And it will ask you, did you attempt an instant payment in the amount of, and there will be an amount, 5,000, 10,000. In this guy's case, it was 22,000, right? Mm -hmm. Did you attempt this instant payment? Now there's a scare tactic right there. It's instant. Oh my gosh, I have to act immediately, right? right? Yeah. Did you attempt this instant payment for this large amount of money? And it will end with the typical reply, yes or no, or one to stop receiving these messages. So for all the world, this looks legit. Well, it's for got sure. your bank name in it. It says it's an instant transfer. They're trying to protect you. Did you do this? And all you have to do is reply yes or no. Well, of course, you're not going to reply yes, right? You didn't do this instant payment thing. Right. So what happens when you say no? Yeah. So you shouldn't reply at all. What you should do is call your bank. Mm -hmm. But when somebody says, did you just try this instant payment, this instant payment or transfer for $10,000, you're going to respond probably. So you respond no. Now, when you respond no, the next automation kicks in. Act two, what happens is you have to remember that the name of your financial institution changes from victim to victim. So does the amount. So you can't say to your friend, hey, I got a message from my savings bank locally or my cooperative bank locally, and it said $5,000 watch out for that one. You just have to tell people, you know, scammers are going to change this all the time. It's going to be your bank and whatever amount of money they decided to put into it. So now that's changed. And they're, what they're going to say in act two is now that you've replied, no, our fraud specialist will contact you shortly. Okay. Now act two begins when the fraud specialist contacts you and you answer the phone. Again, remember I said that this guy the second person answered the phone and gave him all kinds of information. I'm curious, by so, the way, are they advanced enough that when they call you, the caller ID shows up like a legitimate number? Yes, it does. And it's very often masked as your bank. Okay. So this is why I'm saying this is not some lightweight scam. You just have to remember to protect yourself from this. Don't engage. Call your bank directly. Be proactive. Mm -hmm. If it's coming from your payment app, reach out to PayPal or Venmo or whoever's sending you this message and make sure it's them. I know it's a pain in the neck in the middle of your day to try to find a phone number and call these places, but you will save yourself so much headache if you do it. So now you answer the phone and the fraud specialist, not surprisingly, knows a lot about you. Mm -hmm. They know your name. They know maybe your p previous addresses. They maybe know your social security number. They probably know the last four digits of your account number, right? Because of all these breaches that have happened over the over the last decade, all mm -hmm. that information's out there. Yeah. So, you know, you get, they talk about your background information. They convince you that they know what they're doing and, and that they're there to help you. And they're from your financial institution. And then things get really tricky in act three. In act three, here's what happens. The scammer instructs the victim to take their email address off their digital payment app, hmm. right? Because remember, this is an instant payment that you didn't right. initiate. Right. So they say, oh, immediately to protect you, take your email off that app and they instruct you how to do it. So now you remove your email from the app, but they also ask you for your email address. What's your email address? And you give it to them. And now what they're doing is they're adding your email address onto a bank account, which the scammer controls. Mm. So now they've got your name, your last four of your account number, you know, a bunch of information from you, social security number, whatever. And now they've got your email and they've attached it to a bank account that they control. After that email address has been changed and you tell them what your email address is, they tell you, you're going to love this one, they, this, they tell you to start another instant payment in your app 
for the same amount, which is going to reverse or cancel the instant payment, which never really happened. Mm. Well, now, is this was, where a lot of people jump out? Like, I think that I might go along no. up into that point. I think, you know, you might. But you have to remember how good these people are at it. Mm-hmm. If somebody called you from your bank that sounded like, you know, they knew you and they had a lot of this information and they were there to protect you from this scammer who is acting very quickly in an instant transaction, right? Mm -hmm. And they say, look, here's what I want you to do. You know that banking app you have of ours? Yeah, I want you to take your email out of there. I want you to change it. Okay, what did you change your email to? Okay, what's your email address? Okay, great. We got that on our end now. You're safe. All right, this is going to be fine. Now, the scammer can't get to your money, but let's make sure that we reverse this transaction that they did or cancel this transaction so that you don't lose that money. Mm -hmm. Now, I think a lot of people, a lot of people, would say, whew, thanks for saving me. Okay, I'm doing it one step at a time. Right. First of all, they may not even know how to do that, take their their email address off their app and put another one on and all that. So somebody's walking them through some technology Mm -hmm. they may not be comfortable with. And let's remember that a target of a lot of these scams are people over 65. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now here you are with a situation, right? And and you believe that they're there to help you. So now they get your email, they tell you to make this transaction so that you're going to reverse the one that is pending already or cancel the one that's pending already, when in fact what you are doing is transferring money from your bank to their bank because they have just stolen your email address, et cetera, and set up a new bank account. Yeah. Now, if you think that's bad, Jess, Mm -hmm. what's worse is that these scammers have been known to follow up with the victims for days afterwards oh. to make sure that the victim feels comfortable that they haven't done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, I'm just following up on that. I just want to let you know, whatever they say, there's been no other activity on your account. The instant person was, you know, this thing was solved, whatever it was. Now, the, the FBI article doesn't say why they do that. So I can only guess why they do that. And I think they do that, first of all, so that you don't go running to the authorities saying, I've got a scam. Mm-hmm. It gives them a little more time. Secondly, yeah. And secondly, because after several days, that transaction has cleared and it's in their bank account for sure. And it's harder for you to get it back. Yeah, I can imagine it's near impossible to get money back once it's gone. Well, if yeah, I mean, if you can prove it immediately, sometimes you can get it back. But for the most part, you know, they're so tricky. They're so sneaky about this. They fold up and they just they just disappear. I mean, you don't have a real phone number from them. You don't have an email address from them. All you have is somebody on the phone with a number that was masked as if it came from your bank who you gave information to and who you voluntarily gave your email address to because you thought they were there to help you. You know, and good luck. I mean, this when I said, you know, the FBI put this article out a year ago, I, I don't remember if we talked about it a year ago or not. We, we may have, but the fact that I've had two of these in two weeks, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, of my clients calling me saying, I had this problem, you know, can you help me? And thankfully, the local banks have been great. Both people were banking through a local bank and, and they've been great, but it didn't come from them. What are they going to do? Right. So they're not really responsible for it. But they're definitely not responsible for it. And, yeah. and they've been really, really nice to help these people, you know, to calm them down, say, come in in person. Let's give you all new account numbers. Here's a list of all your automated uh, payments that were coming out of your account. So you can go back and set those all up again with a new account. Mm-hmm. What a pain in the patoot. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's going to take two weeks to get new checks mm-hmm. if you still write checks. 
And then, you know, the worst of it is, at least the first person I talked to, second person kind of had an idea they had been scammed. The first person really thought it was legit and they were really worried that they'd lost, you know, all this money out of their account. And how come it didn't show up on their banking? How come I don't see this? What's wrong with my computer that I can't see this withdrawal? Mm -hmm. And they were still believing that it was a problem with their computer when in fact it was a very intricate and very sophisticated kind of a scam. So, you know, it doesn't bring me pleasure, believe me, to come on the air and talk about what to be afraid of. And I really wish there was a better way to catch these thieves. And some people will say, well, I just want away from the digital world. I don't want my information out there. I don't want any of that. And if you've done it from the start, you know, you never got a computer, you never went into anything digital, you never applied for anything online, uh, you don't give out any information to anybody over the phone. If you really have lived that life, you've done okay. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, most of us started out being trusting and saying, oh, oh, I can bank online. Oh, won't that be convenient, right? right. Yeah, for and, sure. And there is immense security around banking online. I'm not trying to scare people away. I bank online, okay? Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't worry that I, my accounts are going to get hacked. I put the protections in place we talked about, a freeze on all my credit reports, and I I do a multiple identification, you know, multiple verification on all my accounts mm -hmm. so that it needs my face or my handprint or my fingerprint. And that will help to protect you from a lot of things. But if you think... Uh, getting out of the digital world now will just, you know, minimize the problems you have. Might it? Yeah, I guess it might. But it really, the information's out there. The horse left the corral, you know, too little, too late, whatever, whatever you want to say about it. So now the best thing you can do about this is to protect yourself. Uh, and if you hear of a scam like this, report it to the FBI or the Consumer Protection Agency or your attorney general's office or any authority you can think of immediately who will guide you in what to do and where else to report this stuff. Um, but absolutely enable multi-factor authentication. That's what the term I was trying to think of. And uh, if you get any sort of unsolicited mm -hmm. message that says it's from anything, basically, I'm from your bank, I'm from your payment app, I'm, you know, I'm from your doctor's office, whatever it is, if it's unsolicited, just don't engage. Just hang up and call your doctor's office or your bank or your app or whoever it is you have to get to. Uh, call them on the phone at a number that is verified. That's one maybe on their official website mm -hmm. or one that you already have on your phone. But whatever you do, do not call the numbers or reply to the emails that the people contacting you who contacted you in an unsolicited manner are giving you. Because all you're going to do is get back to them and they're going to just make you feel more comfortable and more willing to give up your identification and your money. Yeah, it's unfortunate. This is another thing that we have to worry about. But if it hasn't happened to you yet, it's going to happen or at least to someone you know, at least the initial you know, text or trick that they're trying to get money out of you because it's just going to keep continuing on. Yeah, I think so. And I think maybe the scariest part of this, besides the fact that they can mask the phone number and the email and all of that, the scariest part to me about this scam is that the scammers didn't run away. I mean, when they run away instantly, you kind of know like, oh, man, I got scammed, right? Well, when they're calling you every day to make sure that you're, mm -hmm. oh, are you doing okay? You're sleeping all right? Because we protected you, you know. When that's happening and they're stretching this out for days, just convincing you that you haven't done anything wrong and that everything is okay. Yeah. Meanwhile, they're probably just waiting for the money to clear or get more money from you, right? Uh, and continue to tell you that there are more scams. That to me was the creepiest thing that they didn't go away. It's like somebody robbing your house and they come back every day. 
<laughs> and continue to rob your what's, house. What's right? for dinner tonight? Yeah. Awful. Yeah. I mean, creepy. Really creepy. All right. Well, so, if you need help with this, I would definitely recommend calling Dr. Francis Ram. Absolutely. They can reach us at 413-773-3333. And, they, and of course, you're welcome to call us directly. And if we call <laughs> you back, you can hang up on us and call us again. It's okay. <laughs> Excellent advice. Or you can visit HugYourMoney.com. Have you heard about Get The Tea? It's an online herbal supplement company with high quality standards. You cannot find these in stores. They carry cleansing teas and targeted herbal supplements for all your health needs. Go to getthetea.com today to order yours. Health shouldn't be put off. It should be a priority. And check out their specials page for sale items. That's getthetea.com. Enter code TEA123 for 10% off exclusively for my listeners. Getthetea.com, code TEA123. Order today. This is Francis Rayum, the Money Doctor. Now you can become 100% debt-free, budget successfully, and retire well, all under the Hug Your Money umbrella. When I was diagnosed with the spinal cord tumor, a lot of financial damage had been done. This can put a strain on, on your marriage. Instead of going right to that place of, oh, panic, take more money out, we'll be all set. This time, we did contact Hug Your Money. So it was a whole different experience. I can't even put it into words. I mean, night and day. She's just invaluable. We don't know where we'd be without her and Hug Your Money. The recommendations, the strategies, and I have a a final word, if you will. Her financial experience is priceless, but she's also a wonderful person. Debt, budget, retirement. Hug works best when we work together. Visit HugYourMoney.com. Hug Your Money. So unique, it's patented financial literacy, and the human condition. Welcome to Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Welcome to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler, along with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Rayum. Good morning. Good morning, Jess. How are you this fine day? I am good. Did you survive our little snowstorms that we had? Well, you know, I mean, I live in an area right on the river where we have this sort of little microclimate, so Mm -hmm. I got nothing. Oh, (laughs) lucky you. Some ice in the driveway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, that's good. Well, nothing in uh, the future forecast, so we're good for a little bit. How are we looking money-wise? Nothing in the future forecast. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I was hoping uh, you were going to tell me I hit the lottery. Well, well hey, we, it might be. Um, so money-wise, you know, it's an election year. I sound like a broken record every election year. I say the same things. I'm always sort of a contrarian on this. Uh, but it always seems to pay off for my clients, so I'll keep doing that. Um, I think that the general consensus among uh, investment advisors is, you know, don't be afraid. Election years, usually there's some sort of a, a boon because the incumbent president trying to run again will, you know, they'll make some monetary policy that will make the market look healthier, et cetera, et cetera, so that they get reelected. It's all about that. Well, let me ask a dumb question just to start off this episode, um, and I'll pepper throughout. Do people normally (laughs) make big financial changes in an election year? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Predicting on who they think is going to win, is that kind of where it stems from? Actually, what I find personally, I don't know what the statistics are for how many people make big changes in an election year, but what I find statistically is that the common uh, concern is it's going to be choppy out there, Mm -hmm. right? The market won't be predictable. It'll be big swings one way or another. We don't know who's coming in. The market likes certainty. 
So until the dust has settled, I want to be more careful with my money. Got it. That makes sense. And I think a lot of people feel that way. And, you know, some people will take money that's in their 401k and slide it to more conservative accounts. Others will say, no, you know, historically, I see a bump in election year in in the stock market. So I'm going to go and look for the sectors that might be hot. Mm -hmm. Not giving advice here, but let's say it was, uh, for instance, an energy sector or something like that. They might want to slide some money there. But typically what I find is that most people, and this is a huge sweeping generalization, (laughs) but most people do not really manage their money. They really put it with an advisor and hope the advisor's doing it or or rely on the advisor to do it, or they ignore it. They Mm -hmm. put it in their 401k, they make some choice about where they're going to be a 20-40 fund or uh, 50% stocks, 50% bonds, whatever choices they make, and they leave it there. And then wait for that envelope and hope the number is bigger than it was before. Yeah, and, and if it's not, they ignore it. They don't open it. So Because most people don't know what to do with their money, and so the idea that they move to safety is a perhaps a logical one, but also an, an easier one for people to stomach mm-hmm. that I want to move to risk, right? As, especially as you're getting closer to retirement, you're starting to worry about, you know, what if I have another loss like in March or whatever? <laughs> you know, my account goes plummeting again. Am I going to feel uncomfortable about that? So I just, just on this piece of, of today's show, I want people to know that there are ways to still have market upside potential, but to diversify your portfolio or to take advantage of something like a fixed indexed annuity, for instance, and get that market upside potential, but without a huge loss potential. In the case of the annuities, without with that specific kind of an annuity, without any downside, right? You're, mm-hmm. You might have the downside is if you're paying any fees on it. So there's that. And, you know, in particular, I would say, without getting into a lot of details about specific products, is one product that I work with, and it's not what today's show is about, but since you brought it up, um, one product that I work with that secures people's principal like that, so their principal is safe, but if they purchase the income rider on it, which is about 1% a year roughly, then they, they can get a bonus up front, a huge bonus actually, in this particular case, 30%, which is enormous, and an 8% guaranteed roll-up going forward for 10 years or until they turn the income on. There's a lot of details, obviously. But that kind of thing can be very appealing to people who are nearing retirement or who are just just maybe more conservative Mm -hmm. and, you know, want to move some money to safety, but they also still want that upside potential of the market. And so do they get all the upside potential? No, it's a trade-off. You get some of the upside potential for none of the downside, right? So that's just one example, but many advisors will talk about diversifying into mutual funds or stocks or a stock and bond portfolio or some other way for you to take a fresh look at your finances and decide, hey, this might be a thing I want to do, not only because it's an election year, but perhaps in addition to because it's an election year, I'm more concerned about this. So, you know, speaking of things that we tend to ignore, finances that we tend to ignore and what makes them worse. You know, I, I kind of got off on a little aside there because you you brought me there, thankfully. But uh, but I would say that I want to talk a little bit about the Social Security situation and what's going on there because, well, because it's an election year. Mm-hmm. And the reason I'm talking about it is because I don't think the candidates will. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't think that that's a popular topic, is it? Well, 
only once you're elected or before you're getting elected and you're sure that this is going to put you over the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in fact, it is a very uh, sensitive subject, and most politicians will not tackle this at this stage in the game. Um, you know, it's too early to know precisely who's going to be on the ticket, but I think we all have a pretty good idea of what this election might look like. At seems, this seems like it might be a flashback. It might be. And, and if it is, those two candidates could not be further apart on what they would do with Social Security, et cetera. And in general, the Republicans and the Democrats could not be further apart on almost any topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, to simplify it, if I, if I can be completely objective, I think general consensus is the Democrats want to be Robin Hood and take money from the rich and give it to the poor. And the Republicans want a capitalist society where you know, we want to protect our, our giant wealth because we believe it trickles down, et cetera, right? General, that's a, a broad statement, but something like that, just meaning that they are both very far apart from one another. Mm-hmm. So in 2020, I'll use this as an example. In 2020, Biden came up with a plan for Social Security, and he said, I think this is the solution to it. Now, I'll tell you right now, I don't think this is ever going to pass. Uh, with him in office or with anybody in office right now because you need 60 votes in the Senate to pass Social Security law, mm-hmm. and they don't have them. And unless there's some major bipartisan situation, you're not going to get this. But it is worth talking about because just like any proposal, there are things you might agree with, things that you might disagree with. But knowing what might be possible could help you to be a little better informed or to speak up to one of your representatives about what you might want to happen with your Social Security. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're young and listening to this and thinking, I don't need to hear this because I don't care about Social Security, it's going to be gone by the time I'm there, that's the whole point. Hopefully, it will not be gone by the time you're there. Now, 80 to 90% of our current retirees depend on that monthly Social Security check just to make ends meet. It was never designed to be that, but it is, (laughs) and and the horse has left the stable, okay? So what are you going to do about it now? Well, as I said, we've been sort of ignoring this. Uh, In 1985, the trustees started to say, hey, there's not going to be enough money to continue to fund this program. In Mm -hmm. 1985, Jeff. Yeah, and we're talking 38 years later. Is my fast math right? <laughs> don't don't test me on math. 39, maybe. We're in 2024, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't even know I, what year it is, Francis. I love that you do that. This is 2024. Okay. So the Social Security problem is $22 trillion and growing. Now, to be very clear, when people say, well, Social Security is going bankrupt, No, it's not going bankrupt. It just is being paid forward. Mm -hmm. The people who are working now are paying for the people who are drawing now, and that continues on. So it will sustain, but if it were to sustain over a long period of time, past 2033, nine years from now, pretty darn close, if if, if we don't do anything about it and it were to continue after that, without some kinds of changes, mm-hmm. we would be looking at, at benefit cuts of up to 23%. And it's already a very small amount to begin with. I mean, it's really not enough for a person to live on. 
It's not. It's really not. In fact, that was one of the things that Biden was, was proposing is to bring that that uh, special minimum benefit, they call it, right, to bring that minimum benefit up. Uh, currently, somebody who's worked in uh, worked for 30 years and paid into the Social Security system can receive coverage of no more than $1,033.50 a month. I mean, that's just crazy. It, it's below the poverty limit, yeah. which would be 12 15 a month for, tw- uh, we have 2023 20, numbers. So, you know, that's below the poverty limit. He's proposing they bring that up by 125 or up to 825%, which would make a check, if you were getting a check in 2023 and it was, you know, 100, I mean, 1033.50, it would now be $1,518.75. This just tells me that I need to be nicer to the kids. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Well, you know, it's, um, (laughs) <laughs> you need to be nice to your kids, that's for sure. <laughs> the point here is really that that he did have some good ideas, some bad ideas. That's by my own opinion. You you can make up your own mind. But th- unfortunately, when you put them together, and here's here's a major problem in politics, although I'm no political analyst, but my, my armchair political anal- analyst says major problem in politics is that in order to get anything passed, you have to try to keep everybody happy. And so you end up with this homogenized thing that often has no real chance of success. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to pass gun laws, but we're going to let them have a bunch of guns, but not the Uzis. You know, we're going to to trim money out of the Social Security thing, but we're going to give it back to people on the other end. And so you end up with this these bills that very often, just to get them passed, really don't do very much. I mean, some do, right? Yeah, but a lot of them, I agree with you, they're so compromised by the end of it that really, what did you get for all the, you know, favors called in to get it to pass? Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, this Social Security plan that Biden had proposed really had four pieces to it. The first was about bringing more money in, Mm -hmm. right? You increase the payroll tax. That's how we fund Social Security. We all pay money into Social Security in our payroll tax. I'd be okay with that. Well, if you're self-employed, you're paying, paying both sides of that. And I'm okay with that. And I am self-employed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But this was about bringing money in. And so we can go through these things. But this is what I mean. is One part of it is to bring money in. But then you want to increase the other things to pay money out so that you can get the votes from both sides of the of the desk, and you end up with something where the math probably doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into all of this in the second half. But first, I want to get your phone number. You bet. It's 413-773-3333. And you can visit HugYourMoney.com. We'll be right back with the second half of Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Ram, right here on WHMP. When it comes to investing, we're taught the higher the risk, the better the reward. Francis Ram, the money doctor, says it isn't necessarily true. We need to remember that with risk comes the potential for losses, and making up losses can set us back or worse, delay our retirement. You've heard the testimonials for years about how her patented program helps people become 100% debt-free, far ahead of schedule. But did you know that for more than 35 years, Dr. Ram has been helping people retire well with 
without unnecessary risk? Dr. Ram says most people mistakenly accept that in order to earn attractive interest rates, they must tolerate risk and that choosing safety means settling for lackluster returns. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can earn competitive rates and minimize taxes without risking a single dollar of your hard-earned savings. Contact the money doctor at Hug Your Money for a free consultation. Call 413-773-3333 or visit HugYourMoney.com. Welcome back to Financial Fitness. I'm Jess Tyler along with the money doctor, Dr. Francis Ram. Hi. Hi, you're hanging in there with me, huh? I am. This stuff gets a little complicated, but, you know, Social Security, we've talked about before, and it is a complicated issue. It is a complicated issue, but we're going to talk about it in general terms here. You know, I just think it's helpful, and somebody else actually asked me to talk more about Social Security. Mm -hmm. It's helpful for people to really understand what's going on, not just to hear, hey, there's a $22 trillion deficit, and it's going to stop in 2033. I mean, I making decisions like, I'm going to take it now because it might not be around. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to really read up on this stuff if you're if you're worried about it or call somebody who knows this and talk to them about these things. So I started with how to bring in more money, right? And mm-hmm. you said, hey, I'd be okay with that. So this year, all earned income between a penny and $168,600 is subject to a 12.4% payroll tax. Mm-hmm. That means that you and, you know, me and a bunch of other people, anybody earning let's say less than 168.6, is paying payroll tax on every dollar they earn. Okay. Now, what happens after you earn $168,600? Sure, it goes up, right? No, it disappears. What? It's not taxable. Right. So what Biden said he wanted to do was to reintroduce that 12.4% payroll tax on earned income Mm -hmm. at a $400,000 mark. Now, this is a little complicated. So what it means is if you earned 168.6, you're going to pay 12.4% payroll tax on it. Let's say you earned 175,000, that gap between 168.6 and 175 isn't taxable. But he's saying, hey, I want to bring it back in at 400,000. That means there's a donut hole, a gap between $168,600 and $400,000 where you don't pay additional payroll tax on it, right? Now, you would say, well, that's pretty weird. Why would he mention doing that? And that's because the maximum taxable earnings cap goes up most of the years, similar to the national average wage index. So eventually that donut hole would close. Mm -hmm. And pretty soon in the future, all wages and salary would be exposed to that payroll tax. So he's not specifically saying, hey, look, if you're wealthy, you're going to have to pay it. Uh, if you're not, you don't have to pay it. He's saying, we're going to do this slowly. You know, we're going to give you this gap between 168.6 where you are right now. We'll give you a free ride to 400,000. Then we're going to pick it back up at 400,000 and start taxing you again. And over the course of time, that 168.6 figure keeps going up, 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 up until it gets to 400,000 and the donor hole is, clo- is closed. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean, really? It means that if you're making less than 168.6 and you're paying 12.4% payroll tax on every dollar you earn mm-hmm. and your neighbor is making 300000 and they're not. Yeah, it seems a little, that's a little frustrating. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so again, I'm trying not to give you an opinion, but to me, that seemed like a pretty logical way to bring more money in. Nobody likes it. Nobody wants to pay taxes, right? Mm-hmm. But to bring more money in and stand the chance of, of uh, bolstering this this uh, problem we have with Social Security and closing that $22 trillion gap. But then, there, let's wait, there's more. <laughs> don't buy yet. Wait for the Gensu knives. Right? I, don't, I don't know if I like this game show. <laughs> I don't know if I do either. <laughs> but, 
But anyway, the second thing he wanted to do, which also seemed fairly logical to me, is to shift the program's inflationary measure from the CPIW to the CPIE. What am I talking about? Mm. Okay. The CPIW is that consumer price index that you hear about. Right. The consumer price index for urban wage earners and clerical workers. Those are working individuals, right? Mm-hmm. He wants to shift it in favor of the consumer price index for elderly, which is the CPIE. Okay. So what he's saying is, look, Social Security is being governed by a working wage model, and I want it to be more governed by a retiree's kind of a model. And and the problem with the working age model, and the reason he's saying this, I think, I'm not Biden, so I don't know, but the reason I think he's saying this is that things like medical care and uh, shelter and nursing homes and all of that aren't really factored in in the working wage model as they would be in a retiree's model. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is because they're weigh- weighing this on the CPIW, the wage earners, right, because they're, they're uh, factoring it in, the result is that a retiree's dollar is worth 36% loss. Less, they have a 36% loss of purchasing power since January of 2000. So over the last 24 years, a dollar for a retiree on Social Security is buying 36% less stuff. Mm. And it's already so low to begin with, so it's, I mean, it's impossible. Yeah. So now that would, in fact, probably raise the, the COLA and make things better for people above age 62. But remember, now we might be giving up a little more money. So we're trying to bring money in. We're starting to give it away again, right? By the time you get to his third point, which was that primary insurance amount that we talked about, um, by lifting that, uh, you know, then you're raising what they're getting paid by 25%, but it is keeping people out of the poverty level. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we're talking about 21 million people right now that we keep out of the poverty level with Social Security checks, Mm -hmm. and that includes 15.4 million who are age 65 or older. Mm -hmm. So this is important. I mean, you don't want to have a country full of pestilence and homelessness. you got to do something about this. Right. It's not a problem that's going away. No, it's not a problem that's going away. And then there's one more thing he wanted to do, which is to lift that primary insurance amount for aged uh, people. So if you're um, if you're 78, uh, continuing through age 82, he wants to lift it by one percent a year, so that you'd end up with a five percent boost. I don't think anybody is against you know people not being homeless and people not starving and all. Everybody wants people to be able to do those things. I I hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this case, this is what I was talking about. There's a give and take of this. Hey, we're going to bring more money in, but we're going to do it this way. And what, you know, what does the other side hate? Wait, you're going to do it by taxing the wealthy? We don't want that, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then to add insult to injury, we're going to give it away to people who are in the power, at the poverty level or who are older. Oh no, we don't want that either. So, you know, this is, this is just one side. You know, Trump has his own stuff about social security. All the candidates have their own thoughts about what they might do with social security. But as I said in the beginning, I don't think we're going to hear much about it because, mm-hmm. I mean, who are we? We're only the voters, the retirees, whatever. I mean, we don't count. Well, this, count. so this topic won't get brought up until someone is elected because it could sway the vote. That's right. That's right. And quite honestly, it should sway the vote. Mm-hmm. If somebody has a good plan, now I brought up Biden's plan because it was a simple one to talk about four pieces and, you know, some of it seems logical, some of it, no, maybe not so much, but I mean, it all seems great if you can make the math work. Mm-hmm. 
And that would be the challenge I would offer is somebody show me how this math works. And I'll, I'll say, I'll raise my hand and go, okay, good, you know. But the math that we know works is if we do nothing, we end up with a major catastrophe, right? We end up with, with 23%. I mean, imagine that you're getting $1,000 a month now on Social Security and somebody's going to cut it by 23% nine years from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After we've had inflation and rising cost of living and your expenses have gone up and all. Really? 23%? So what will they do about it? It's anybody's guess, Jeff. But one thing they can do, and which we've already seen hints of uh, and, and the tricklings of already, is they can just keep extending the age that you can get it at. Mm-hmm. So you get it at 65, then it became 66 and a half. You know, maybe in the next few years you won't be able to retire with full retirement until 67 and 70. You know, just keep going up, right? And, and maybe they'll do things like... Um, I haven't ever heard anybody talk about this, but I was I was talking to someone about it the other day because they had two ex wives, <laughs> and they can and they can both take get half of his social security because your spouse gets your social security. Sorry, half of your social security if you die, or their social security check, whichever is higher. Mm-hmm. And both his ex wives cases, their social security, their full social security was less less than half of his Social Security, and they had both been married to him long enough to collect. Now, I don't know if when we started Social Security in 1940, but I'm guessing we we didn't expect people to have two or three ex-wives mm-hmm. that were, had been married to them long enough to collect their full Social Security check or half of the spouse's Social Security. So, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see some things like that coming, coming to roost. I, I didn't have a chance to look up the stats on that. I don't even know. I'm sure they exist somewhere, but it would be fascinating to me to see how much money goes out on an annual basis to um, parties who have more than one, to a second spouse, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's not that I don't want them to have it. That's how the system has been set up. But, you know, times change and it's not 1940 and it's not 1975 and it's not 1985 anymore. Right. So, you know, we really do have to ask questions about this and pay attention to it, or mark my words, we will get a candidate, uh, we will get a president, who we have no idea what their policy is about Social Security, and if they are able to, to uh, get the votes through the Senate and pass a bill, it will just be handed to us. Here's your new Social Security rules. Mm-hmm. So and what then, should what should people be doing now? You know, where both candidates have not been announced yet, we don't know for sure. But when should start people start start taking a hard look at this? Yesterday, okay. <laughs> um, I'm not kidding. You know, we people talk about this. They gripe about it. You go to the local breakfast bar and you hear people complaining about Social Security. But what to do about it is yet another story. And mostly, what I hear is that people think it's just going to end in nine years. And it can't. Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine this country ending Social Security in nine years from now? Well, like you said, we'd be spending money on other problems dealing with the fallout from that. Well, I, I mean, I don't think we'd be quite, a, you know, a fair country any longer. I mean, we, we have, as you said, you know, people in the streets and people starving. and all. I mean, it's barely keeping people afloat now. And I know it wasn't designed to be that way. But what are you going to do about that? Mm-hmm. We have done some things. We've implemented 401Ks. When we implemented 401Ks, they were supposed to augment pensions. Guess what happened? Pensions started disappearing. Right. You know, this is exactly my, my gripe, if you will, about political um, 
structure and when we get these bills passed because anybody who's ever written a bill will tell you how difficult it is, what a laborious um, procedure it is mm-hmm. to write something that has a chance of getting through the House and Senate and not getting vetoed at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just, it's so hard, but it's also so sad. And so what should people do? Well, you know what? If you're able to work and you like to work and you can bring in some extra money, I would say stockpile it because it's never going to hurt you to have an extra cash reserve, right? You know, pay attention to what might be coming down the pipe because the fact of the matter is we don't know. I just told you about a fairly cogent plan. Mm-hmm. That has probably absolutely no chance, in my opinion, of ever getting through the Senate. Okay. Uh, because, But there are pieces of it that make sense, you know, that people should be paying attention to saying, yeah, you know, should we find a way to bring in more money? Should we be taxing people over a certain amount? How come I'm paying tax on every dollar, but my boss isn't because he makes so much money? Mm-hmm. How is that fair to me, right? Uh, you know, it's just, I mean, people do that. They'll say, okay, what's the limit this year? 168.6. I'm a corporate officer. My income is, you know, 165000 I think I'll give myself a raise to 300000 but I'm going to offset it by doing something else because I just got an extra 12.4% in my pocket on everything over 168.6. Mm. Believe me, it happens way more than you might think. So, I, you know, it's social security. I don't consider myself to be a socialist by any stretch of the imagination. But, I mean, I work at a capitalist society, right? That's mm-hmm. what I, I work with money. But it's designed to help people who cannot uh, live without it. Right. Certain reasons. I mean, we didn't even go into FFBI. But, so, you know, when should you pay attention to it? Read up on it. You know, get both sides of the story. Get all the sides of the story if you can. Go to the Social Security website and read what they've got. And just see... You know, what What makes sense to you? And then start talking about it. Talk to your friends about it. Get the word out there. Politicians have a way of figuring out what's on the street eventually. Well, and also if you're, t- if you're taking a look at any articles and reading any of this and it gets complicated like it does for me listening to it, then you're definitely available if people need help breaking it down. What is your phone number? Thanks, Jess. It's 413-773-3333. And as always, they can go to HugYourMoney.com to get more information. And we will be back next week. Thank you so much. Thank you. This has been Financial Fitness with the Money Doctor, Dr. Francis Ram, right here on WHMP. Have you heard about Get the Tea? It's an online herbal supplement company with high quality standards. You cannot find these in stores. They carry cleansing teas and targeted herbal supplements for all your health needs. Go to getthetea.com today to order yours. Health shouldn't be put off. It should be a priority. And check out their specials page for sale items. That's getthetea.com. Enter code TEA123 for 10% off exclusively for my listeners. Getthetea.com, code TEA123. Order today. This is Francis Rayum, The Money Doctor. Now you can become 100% debt-free, budget successfully, and retire well, all under the Hug Your Money umbrella. Tim and I have been, we've been really struggling ever since Tim got laid off. It's been eye-opening. It's been, it's humbling to be in that position. I never want to be in that position again. How do I get out of this? Yeah. At some point, we'll need other vehicles. I want to be able to take some of that car money that we're paying out right now We each have a vehicle we're paying on. Put that in the bank. We need savings accounts, and I think this will help us. No, it definitely was worth it. There is a light at the end of the tunnel, and I was feeling sad, and I'm actually starting to feel happy. Relieved. Debt, budget, retirement. Hug works best when we work together. 
Schedule your free consultation with a Hug Your Money coach today. Visit HugYourMoney.com. Hug Your Money. So unique, it's patented.